Today we're joined by Rosie Sherry, who is the founder of Rosieland. I specialise in community building and I've been doing that for about 15 years, uh, starting out with meetups, but then I spent over 10 years building up the Ministry of Testing. Why don't you give us the reasoning behind why you decided to start a community for those who are doing community? When I started looking into the community world to see what existed, how people were doing things, what kind of content was out there, the more I dove in, the more I was like, this is just not doing it for me. There just isn't enough out there for community builders. It's really good. And the content you are writing is really good. What should some practical steps be to really dive into that community? Justifying that a community is not a specific space or a specific tool. It's about working with the people. Your job at the CM is, yes, to provide value to your business or whatever your business goals are, but also you're there just to be the voice of the people. These are the traps in community that we we need to figure out. I don't have solutions for them, but it's just things that, that I observe. Rosie, why don't you let us know a little bit about yourself and say hello? Hello and welcome to the Digital Community Managers podcast, where we chat with community managers, champions and founders about their experience leading and supporting digital communities. My name's Pete Heslop and I lead the team here at Steadfast Collective and we exist to craft digital applications that bring people together online. We created the Digital Community podcast to be a bite-sized look into what it takes to start, grow and scale your digital communities. Today, we're joined by Rosie Sherry, who is the founder of Rosieland. Rosie, why don't you let us know a little bit about yourself um, and say hello? Hey, Pete. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Rosie. Um, I'm founder of Rosieland, uh, which is, I guess, a little land on, on the in the virtual in the virtual world at the moment, at least. Um, all about community building. I sp- obviously uh, specialize in community building. Um, and I've been doing that for about 15 years, originally uh, starting out with meetups, but then I spent over 10 years building up Ministry of Testing, which was kind of is, should I say, a community-driven company. And then I also led the community over at Indie Hackers for oh. a couple of years. Nice. So your first kind of entrance into the world of being a community manager was Ministry of Testing. Is that right? Yeah, meetups and then Ministry of Testing. But like the first, like, I'd say proper, proper, like community, I'd, I would call Ministry of Testing. Nice. And why don't you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah, um, I would summarize it like concisely. It's a community of practice for software testers. So it's just, you know, trying to address the need of a specific uh, career path or a specific niche. And um, so you get software developers in tech, but also in tech you get testers who kind of try to, uh, I wouldn't say break the software, but, you know, they try to help improve it and look for look for holes and all of those kind of things. Um, and I, I started it at the time because I was a tester and I kind of saw that there was a need for the community. Um, and around that same time, I had also discovered what community was and I kind of fell in love with the idea of community building. And I was like, I want to do more community. How can I do it? I was like, I know I'll just start a community for software testers because there doesn't seem to be something that I'm happy with out there at the moment. Nice. And then Indie Hackers, that, so Indie Hackers for me, I remember in the early days, especially of Indie Hackers being like, that was the place where there was so much great content coming out um, from the Indie Hackers team. Tell us about your experiences over there. 
Yeah, so it's it's kind of a nice segue. Like Ministry of Testing was a bootstrapped or is a bootstrapped company, um, or in indie indie type company, as I would kind of probably define it more now. Um, and and that's what Indie Hackers was all about. So it kind of really aligned with who I was and what I had experience doing. And when I when I wanted to step back from Ministry of Testing. Um, I had in my mind that I'm, I want to do two things. I either want to focus in on community or I want to focus in on business, um, both from a community perspective. Mm. Um, and the opportunity to work at Indie Hackers came up, and partly it was because I had done an early interview with them. So uh, when they first started, um, they they kind of became popularized or popular for their interviews their community mm. their kind of business interviews um of how how these uh, kind of businesses were started um and particularly they got you know they got a lot of attention because of the transparency they kind of insisted on with like how much money people were actually making mm. um so i i did i i think i was like number 17 or something like the 17th interview Okay. Um, and I think there are hundreds now. Um, I'm not sure if they still do them, but so it was quite quite early on. But like when I was looking for um, looking to kind of move on from ministry of testing, I saw that Cortland, the founder, was looking for some social media help, and I was like, "Oh, I could do that." Um, even though it was way below like everything that I'd done before, but um, I kind of like raised my hand because I just saw it as like a way to kind of move away from my previous company. And it was an excuse to kind of um, dip my toes into another community. And I was really curious to like, see how it was run behind the scenes. Mm. Um, But what ended up happening was uh, I chatted to Cortland and then that ended up turning into a community role instead of a social role. Um, Mm. And obviously it, it, you know, aligned better and made more sense. Um, and yeah, I was I was there for two years as a contractor, kind of like just kept renewing the contract for for two years. Nice. And now they got acquired by Stripe. Yeah, they they were acquired by Stripe at, uh, before I joined. So they okay. were acquired quite early on, with within like six months. Yeah. So obviously, I was kind of um, uh, on Stripe budget. I guess they had like okay. a budget to to spend and yeah it's kind of nice nice and then finally uh rosie land we've touched on it briefly but i'm a, I'm a member of rosie land um but why don't you why don't you give us the the reasoning behind why you decided to start a community for those who are doing community yeah uh, it's actually really similar to ministry of testing um so even though like I'd done community for years, I never really participated in the community world. And I kind of knew of the things that existed. Um, but then I had I had all this kind of experience of building up ministry of testing. Mm. And when I started kind of looking into the community world to see what existed, how people were doing things, what kind of content was out there, um, what kind of kind of best practices, so to speak. Um I was just the more the more I kind of dove in, the more I was like, "This is just not doing it for me." There, there, there just isn't enough out there for community builders. Mm. Um, and then COVID hit, and like community got even more popular. It was 
kind of on the rise a bit. Um, but COVID kind of like, you know, threw it into this whole whole new world. Um, so, yeah, I guess like I had done my indie hacker thing. I had done my business community thing that kind of scratched that itch. And mm. I was like, well, I, I'm going to start writing about community. And that's kind of how, how it started. I, I started a newsletter, um, a kind of roundup. And then I started a paid newsletter to force me to write. So I had never mm. been a consistent writer at, at all. Um, I, I wasn't even really a, a writer. I had like written things in the past, but not not a lot. Um, and just by switching on like a paid subscription thing, that that was what forced me to write. And as soon as I got mm. my first paid subscriber, I, I felt like I couldn't turn back. Um, and it's been great. It's been like almost almost every week for the past. Um, two and a half years or so I've been, I've been writing, which is, you know, amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I never thought I would have you know, been able to do that. No, it's really good. And the, the content you are writing is really good and um, legitimately worth reading. And one of the main reasons why I'm a member at Rosie Land is not only because of the good community on, on Slack and whatnot, but is um, because I know that if there's, Something that would be really helpful to read, like um, a code of conduct or an example of a job description, you probably have already written it and put it in the resources somewhere. So it's like a it's like a great filing cabinet of Rosie's brain is what Rosie Land is, um, because everything you've kind of thought, oh, that'd be yeah. helpful for someone. I remember being like, oh, is there is there a list of books that you would recommend? And then you were like, yeah, of course there is. And like there was this list of like loads and loads of books. I was like, right, okay, yeah. I, I should have thought Rosie would have already had this. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's really good. Yeah, the, the curation aspect I've, I've I've taken pretty pretty seriously. I think the only challenge with that is like, how do I make it more easy to find? And I think that's you know a challenge just not only for community but for any kind of content website. It's like, how do you make it so that these things are easier to find? Um, and and then with like a private paid community is like. How do you make it? Do you make it like public or mm. behind a wall? And then that starts, it just starts to get confusing. But yeah, you know, I, I, I try to encourage people just to ask. And then the more they ask, the more I can like direct them in, yeah. in the right direction. And hopefully over time, I can make it easier to find. Nice. So we'll jump into the questions. So you've obviously got quite a lot of experience around um, kind of starting communities and then working in, in in kind of established things so this is going to be it's going to be super interesting to get some of your your takes on this so rosie what would you say is your number one tip for growing your community yeah um this is this is one that i always kind of revert to the it's it's probably a little bit vague but not, it kind of or requires a bit of explanation i always say community discovery which is kind of like, um, just like you have like product discovery, business discovery, you need to discover the needs of, of your people. Mm. Um, and community discovery is, um, I believe, like a term that I, that I came up with that no one was really talking about. And this taps into the, to the idea of like, um, of me believing that community people need better vocabulary and, and more words to describe the work that they're doing. Um, and no one was really talking about discovering community needs how, how do you know what people need 
How do you know what they care about? How do you know what they're talking about? How do you know the language they use? How do you know the things that they dislike? How do you know what what exists out there, what doesn't exist? Um, and it's it's this just like a whole minefield of things that community founders or community managers should be doing, but I don't really think that they do do enough. Mm. Um, and, and that ties into engagement because, like, if you do that research and if and if you build that trust up with up with people, then you end up naturally knowing how to engage or what to talk about. Um, and a phrase that I often refer to is like, it's almost like a crystal ball. Is like you can almost like read read people's minds or people say, you know, say, Rosie, you read my mind. How did you know that? But it's only because it's like I I keep on top of everything that is happening that is relevant to, to my community. And that means keeping up with people. It means keeping up with blog posts and mm. industry trends and things that people are talking about. It means keeping up with like the wider ecosystem and what's happening. And so it's not just about community, but you know, our world is very impacted by, for example, tech, right? What are the latest tech tools out there that mm. people are using? Um, things like that as like we we as community builders we have to kind of try our best to really understand the needs and then if you do that and if you have a process for doing that then you almost have too many ideas to to talk about um or write about or to share or to pull people in to get get their opinions on um and that's you know, that's the stage like like where I'm at at the moment is like I've got too many ideas, I've got too many things to, to that I could potentially do or talk about and create engagement with. Um and I, I think I think that shows in, in like the village and the forum. I'm always like bring bringing up things. Um and it's the same within the Slack. There's like all those things to talk about and like if I do raise something then people are always coming kind of commenting um, on on stuff as well, um, nice. so you know that's that's art of engagement. It's like it's real. It's, it's it should address people's needs. It shouldn't be engagement for for the sake of engagement. It should, you know, it's like yeah. yes, do some fun stuff, but people get bored of that pretty pretty quickly. You know, they they've got their lives to to lead. They don't want to waste their their life like on on kind of like low level engagement hacks. Sure. And and in so when you're early early days and you're kind of sharpening the axe of what you're kind of before before you start even like setting stuff up like practically and you're kind of working out who the community is going to be for what their needs are how are you practically doing that are you talking to people one to one are you asking people in a group situation are you sending out forms like you know before you registered the domain name like how are you working out what you think that community is going to need or is it a case of because you are almost the person who's making the community because it's what you want you're just using yourself as almost the guinea pig i think for, for me it's a lot of it is like what i want and mm-hmm. almost like being stubborn about that um or being stubborn about my my kind of goals my my values my ethics um I feel sometimes like I come across a bit like, uh, you know, strong and like, I'm like, no, I won't do that. No, I can't do, you know, I, I don't believe in that. 
Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, I, I, I call people out sometimes. I'm like, why, why are you doing that? And it's like, that's, you know, not very community driven. Um, so, it's, you know, it comes from me. It, a lot of it comes from me. A lot of ministry, ministry of testing came from me, like the values, the, the foundational values came from me. And people, people have appreciated that, that I've done things differently or I've said no to things because I, I believed it would have a negative mm-hmm. impact um, down the line or it just didn't feel right. So, I, you know, I'd say no to money because of that. And that, and that's tough sometimes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, it's important to know what you stand for. Um, mm-hmm. And people get attracted to that naturally. They're like, oh, you know, this you know, these are good people, or she's trying to do this, or this is, you know, she's she's genuine. Um, mm-hmm. And I get increasingly, like, in, in the community world at the moment, I get comments and gratitude for that. So it's like, whilst um, some people might not appreciate, you know, how I stick to certain values, others do, and, and, I, and mm-hmm. I, like, stand up for people or stuff like that. Um, I had my first meme a few months back when I kind of was supporting a community member, and I was like, "Oh, that's nice. It's like a you know rosy meme." Um, as a as a thank you. Um, so, but I think a lot of community is is about that. And um, if you if you think about uh, what's the name of that company, um, uh, the company that does outdoor clothes were Patagonia. Patagonia, that's it, um, yep. and how they stick to their values, yeah, um, and how you know the founder, you know, refused to to sell, you know, um, to sell the company, and they you know exited to uh, forget the words that they used, exited to the to the community or to the world to to the climate change, the planet, yeah, they almost, um, yeah, to the planet, yeah. So, so yeah, in regards to you know, like really understanding what you think that community is going to need. With Rosyland, that you mentioned there, like obviously you almost were the target audience. Like you know, there wasn't a place where you felt that you there was enough you know uh, content and community for yourself as a community manager. What would that look like if, say, Patagonia approached you and said, "Look, we would really love you to come be our community manager," um, and you were like, "That's great. I know community." I like your values, but I don't understand your market. What, like what would, for, for maybe like a new community manager, maybe switching role, what should some practical steps be to really dive into that community? Is it a case of time or is it a case of here's some actual practical steps you could do to really get to grasp with what your people need and want? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting question and challenge. Um, I would like really get to the heart of the values of the community and and try my best to like try to understand who they are and where they hang out and and build relationships or or lurk uh, to some extent on on the things that they're talking about and the things that they care yeah. about and trying to find the the things that spark excitement or spark rage in them. Mm. Um, especially with someone like Pat, you know, the community like Patagonia, the people there that you know, there are things that are going to spark rage, and it's like you could probably almost tap into those things and think mm-hmm. of ways to uh, create uh, solutions a- around 
around those things that they really care about. And rage is like a form of uh, communicating what what you care about. Um, mm. And then, like also, kind of like justifying that that a community is not necessarily a, a specific space or a specific tool. It's about working with the people and trying to uh, find ways and get support from the company itself to solve these problems and work with the community to to create something that that actually creates value both for the community and and hopefully for the business as well so that there's some kind of um alignment um and yeah i guess like also also from that aspect is like taking the approach of kind of uh, be, being very lean about what what you do or what we do mm. um taking kind of like a minimal viable community approach and experimenting and try mm. trying things out to see to see what ca- kind of ticks um but yeah, climate climate change stuff or Patagonia. You can't do everything type. all at once. No, no, no. Yeah, and that's, um, I, I, and I think I think like the hard thing with community is that, um, I think the community indus- industry at the moment is changing, and it's it's very hard to define exactly what community is and ha- how it's mm. different for almost e- every company. But the ch- I think the challenge of community is that it almost touches every aspect of the business. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if community does that, it's like, how can we work with all aspects of the business? How can we work with with the customers, with marketing, with business strategy, um, and and even like um, so some of the conversations that we've been having in Rosyland um, as we're trying to like evolve our thinking is that there's like Shane from Hopin, and he's like, well, you know product talks about having uh, lots of contact on co- and conversations uh, with the users but in reality it doesn't really happen nearly as much as uh, the product teams would like mm-hmm. and maybe that's a space that community could tap into it's not that they're being customer service but they're just no. trying to understand their, their customers a bit better and have it, having contact with them every single day and um, it's potentially like where the, the, there's huge value for for community to kind of show itself. It's like it's not a forum, it's not a Slack space. It's we care about our people, and we're going to go wherever we 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 need to go to to show that we care. Yeah, well, I, I always think that community managers are like the ultimate customer advocate, and if you could take, you know, uh loads of your customers and distill it into like an average and then you could take that insight and bring it into your shareholder meetings your marketing meetings your product meetings that's a great voice you want in the room because your job at the cm is yes to provide business to uh, you know value to your business or, or whatever your kind of you know business goals are but also you're there just to be the voice of the people um so whether that's a case of you know, now's not a good time to do that because this is what the community are currently feeling or this is the temperature of what's going on regarding that product change or that that thought that you, you recently released. And I think it's that great conduit where you get to almost be like the voice of the people inside and have ultimately a bunch of change. And if And if you don't have that freedom to be, you know, if you are just kind of being put there to do essentially customer support, then it probably feels like you're, 
your manager isn't giving you quite enough freedom to actually make change, but rather than just trying to maybe firefight at that point. Yeah. And I think it shows because like a lot of, for example, forums end up being customer support forums. Mm. And I think that's almost wrong. It's like, it's not that they shouldn't be that, but it's like, it could be more than that. It could, you know, um, have so much more within a forum space, but for some reason it, it, you know, it kind of defaults so much to just being, being customer support. And um, these are the traps in community that um, we, we need to, figure out you know i don't have solutions for them but it's just things yeah. like that i observe and as as i'm kind of trying to build up my rosie line forum i'm thinking what do i want this space to be be about what would be of value um, yeah. and i'm trying to get creative with it and i'm trying to think of fun new different useful things to do um and yeah, so it's like, you know, I'm, I've got, like, AMA starting soon. I've got Wikipedia-type posts where I'm mm. collecting and curating information. I've moved that book list over to the forum, so hopefully it's easier to to, yeah. to find. Um, so it's like trying to, trying to change, like, the idea of what a forum is, I think, is an interesting activity within itself. And that's just, I think, one example within community where – we should be challenged to think of what these spaces could be and be encouraged mm-hmm. to uh, be more creative in, in what we do. And I'm just not seeing, seeing a lot of that at the moment. Nice. So from the last 12 months, what has been the biggest challenge over at Rosyland? Oh, biggest challenge. Uh, doing it all myself again, I think. Um, okay. Trying to, trying to balance, balance the growth. Um, figuring out uh, like what do I want it to be I'm always changing my mind I'm like always like well, I'm doing it paid but should I do it free should I just open it up it would be nice if everyone mm. had access to all this information um, what would be the ideal future of a community look like uh, yeah I think it's it's a, a lot of things to potentially juggle like within the early stages of a, of a community um so and like i think there's there's also the struggle of tools i kind of rant about this a lot it's just um i think like a couple of years ago everybody was like anti all in one um mm. but now like i i've been preaching like more in ones with tools because uh, community managers are essentially managing managing like so many tools just to run one community there's a different tool for every task mm. um, and yes you can like integrate and um, stuff like that but it, it just gets uh, it, it impacts the, the user experience um, so yeah just like managing all of that plus writing content is is a lot a lot to juggle and as as a community manager are you blocking your time are you are you blocking your time so you like monday is a writing day tuesday is a blah 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 day or is that not how your is that not kind of how your brain works it's not how my life works <laughs> okay uh yeah i i unschool my kids i uh yeah i try i have like yeah my my every every day in my life is is not the same and mm-hmm. um i'm still writing week to week um, so like I've been meaning to like for, for like the past year to build up a buffer 
was like, you know, having a few articles a few weeks ahead of time to go, mm. but I'm still writing, you know, um, week by week, which which is not, not ideal. But I think at the same time, I, I think I just worked to deadlines. I think it was kind of like an ADHD thing as well. Um, I worked to deadlines. Um, and... Yeah, it's it's yeah, it is what it is, I guess. But yeah, I I unschool my kids. Um, I've got five kids, and mm-hmm. just when I think like things are going well, then like the kid gets sick, or my husband's away, and I'm single parenting, or so, you know something happens, and it's like back yeah. to square one. Um, so, so I kind of like trying to accept it. <laughs> well. I'm guessing, and I don't want to speak on your behalf, but from one of the outside, it seems like you've you've kind of created the role and the business that lets you juggle what is a you know a potentially fairly chaotic time of of life, right? With you know young children and and whatnot, and you get to, I guess, pick your hours and kind of work around different trips or or bank holidays or whatever it is that kind of may not be normal you know you're not doing a nine to five you're 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 working when you need to work um and it feels like that you've built the business to kind of suit you rather than trying to suit you into a business yeah it's the only way for me and it's kind of like how I did things at ministry of testing so I I started that 2007 Mm. Uh, it turned into business 2010 but I've been remote working for myself all those years um so it's like I'm I'm kind of used to it. But I'm also trying to like keep up with like how, how the world is changing. So obviously when Ministry of Testing started, it was a very different world. Um the tools were very limited, but um yeah, it's just you know, a lot of great tools. I I love I love the tech. I love the tech world and the ability to create for ourselves. Um and I also love the idea of just like showing that it can be done, showing that we mm. can do things differently um, and to give to give more power to, to people like me, to mothers of, you know, five kids. And, you know, I get yeah. a lot of comments about that and that's, that's important. And I also work because I want to work and I love what I do, but I need, I need for my own sanity to, to work. So, yeah. And um, yeah. One of our, our clients at Steadfast, um, she was a corporate lawyer. She then had kids and during her maternity leave was like, do you know what? I don't think I want to go back. So she started a cross-stitch community um, and now she sells cross-stitch materials. We built her web application. She runs one of the UK's largest cross-stitch communities. And she is such a great generalist, which is generally what you need from a community manager, someone who is super competent and able to do lots of things and um she's basically been able to build this business they now employ her husband um and they're growing rapidly and they just kind of she i think she just kind of went it's kind of now's a great time to give it a go and it is wonderful that if you are passionate and you know somewhat competent human um there is the tooling out there where you can go find your niche and the wonderful thing about niches is almost the more niche you can get the more passionate people are like you only need to go to the golf course at 7am on a Saturday morning when it's absolutely slashing down the rain. You're still going to find, 
you know, blokes walking around, generally blokes walking around, you know, hitting a ball around a golf course, you know, and you're going to find those kind of niches of people. Skiing's another great niche. Like people are so passionate about that. And you will find your people if you create the place they want to come to, whether that's community managers or or tech folk or whatever it is. Um, it's kind of a build and they will come situation. And you the, the outlay of cost for that is no longer put on a big conference in London or do this. It is literally a, a time thing. Um, there's no big outlay of cost to, to kind of start that anymore. Like you don't have to do a conference if you don't want to. There's, there's much more easier ways in, yeah. which is great. Yeah, I keep, I keep getting sucked into the idea of doing a conference for, for Rosyland because um, I did conferences for Ministry of Testing. So I'm like, oh, okay. it'd be great to do a conference. Um, but I'm not sure yet. I'm like, should I, should I not? Um, yeah, but also like what you touched on, like, um, with this, uh, cross stitch community, um, hiring the husband in, I did the same with ministry of testing. Oh, really? As okay. And so I figured out like a, a model, I, brought, I kind of brought my husband in to, to help and he, he did a lot of the tech. He's like a tech, tech guy. Nice. Um, and that, just helped build up a more more robust back end system mm. and it helped build out like a membership uh platform which currently you know generates like i don't know I, I don't even keep on top of the numbers anymore but it's like a third of the, its annual income kind of thing um or half i don't even know um i'm a terrible business uh owner i just like let, i just keep letting it you know there's someone else managing it now but yeah, I'm just trying to be, be as hands off as possible. Nice. Um, which might might not be the best, but it is what it is. <laughs> so before we wrap up, what what's you mentioned you've got lots of ideas, but what is in the pipeline for the next twelve months um at Rosyland? What what's on the radar? What should we expect to be coming up? Uh yeah, good question. I'm trying to I'm trying to write a book. Um so I've not I've not made too much progress. I was going to write a book on, um, and I still will, on continuous community. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of uh, a name for a framework that, that I have um, for how I think about community. Um, so, so the idea is that you, know, you need to continuously um, work on your community and continuously improve. Um, the, the, the idea, the continuous part is taken from like continuous uh, delivery kind of mm-hmm. thing um but over the past couple of years i've been talking a lot about flywheels i've been talk- talking a lot about um community dis- discovery mvcs uh, mineral viable communities stuff like that so um and it t- it ties into like how i've thought about communities so i'm hoping to write a book on that nice um and yeah, I've got you know a fair chunk of the content already on Rosyland. Yeah. Um, so it's not all entirely new things, but it's just trying to trying to pull it all together um, into one kind of core idea. Um, and then yeah, I don't know, maybe maybe do a course on that um, as well. But yeah, uh, I don't know if it'll be self-paced or or cohort type stuff. I'm still trying to. Uh, decide on that i i'm kind of like a, a words person so i kind of get like pulled into the idea of courses but i'm 
I just prefer writing. So maybe maybe a book is enough. I'm, I'm not sure yet. Um, it's exciting. But also along the way, I've been I've been doing some yeah I've been doing some workshops on community business uh, type stuff, mm. um, and I've been writing articles on that. So I think I'll actually end up with a book on that first because okay. it's a combination of what I've what I'm working on at the moment. Um, so I might, yeah, maybe I'll talk with two books this year, um, and uh, you know, self-published kind of PDFs and EPUB type stuff. But um, and just like generally, it's just like continue growing the community, yeah. continue growing the subscription, um, and like exploring maybe like like these smaller products to try to encourage people to buy in in a way that isn't a subscription model kind of like yes. having smaller digital products um just to have that kind of balance between things i think there's a there's a lot of kind of subscription fatigue at the moment mm. so i'm trying to think about that as um a way to grow community in general it's like should communities uh be recurring subscription or should they just be uh, kind of like a one-off mm. lifetime model. It depends, right? But I, I, I like I like the, the lifetime model because it's easier on the community founder or the manager as well. It's yeah. easier to manage. Um, so like, um, for example, at the moment, subscription, recurrent subscription with Rosyland, um, if someone unsubscribes, in theory, I'm supposed to like, um, remove them from the slack sure um, and that just feels terrible to be honest it's not like something that fills with me, me with joy mm. so I'm kind of like well maybe maybe I should just do it so that they get access forever and it kind of feels it feels nicer I guess um, so yeah and, and that's also just tapping into trends as well right and that's why it's important to tap into like how the world is changing nice Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, Rosie. Really do appreciate it. Um, and for anyone who hasn't checked out Rosie Land, I would highly recommend it. Um, get involved with the community, but also use it as a great place to steal. I mean, borrow Rosie's thoughts because there's so much great content on there. Um, and if you are, like I said, looking for a code of conduct or whatever it is, um, you probably already have it written down, filed away somewhere useful. Um, so it's a great place for that. So I'm guessing Rosyland is the best place to find more about you, Rosie. But is there anywhere else on the internet where you would want to point people to? Um, Twitter, I guess. Even though I don't know where Twitter's going at the moment, each, <laughs> each month it gets a little bit worse. But yeah, I'm, I'm Rosie Shea there. Or LinkedIn, I guess. Nice. I'm, I'm there as well. Appreciate it. Well, until the next time, um, we will speak to you next time. But thank you so much for joining us, Rosie. And uh, I'm sure we'll chat soon.